0: Welcome to Community Bridge, a family radio program designed to help you stay informed about matters affecting your community. As Ephesians 2 verse 10 tells us, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and good works. Join us as we explore opportunities to do good in our communities. Here now is the host of Community Bridge, Jenny Burkheiser.
1: And we're pleased to have you with us this weekend on Community Bridge to talk with us about perhaps how you may be able to share the gospel is Pastor Henry Ryenga. Pastor Ryenga is the president of Christian Leaders Institute. Welcome to Community Bridge, Pastor Ryenga. Thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here.
1: Tell us, what is your organization, Christian Leaders Institute, all about?
2: Christian Leaders Institute is about raising up revival leaders with an excellent biblical education. We have over 40 professors, many of them accredited at, um, actually all of them come from an accredited program at various institutions, biblical. Um, We have lectures, we have the reading materials. We even have minister to those who just want to study. We call them our study status students. And then we have those who say, no, I want official credentials that Adhere more to like the U.S. Department of Education-Related Accreditation. And let's say somebody wanted to go to Calvin Seminary. So if somebody wanted to go down that status, there are small fees um, associated with that. But most of the people who come to Christian Leaders Institute in over 170 countries just want to have the great training with, and they can get up to 180 hours of biblical ministry training that's at college level.
1: Oh, that is amazing. And I understand that you are a 501c3 nonprofit ministry as well. Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. What prompted so much of this is I was in Manhattan, New York on that day of 2001, September 11th, mm-hmm. and the, saw the happenings there. And what occurred to me was I was walking around and talking to people when they found out I was a pastor. It was as if they wanted immediate prayer and I had the opportunity to lead many people to Christ. And while I was there experiencing all that, I realized we need millions of trained bivocational leaders, whether pastors or maybe they have another job, to be able to go out there and to lead people to the Lord. But I realized that a lot of people sense the calling, but if you don't have training it's almost like you go into the line of battle and you have no weapons. Mm. So September 11th really launched me into this concept. Um, One of my mentors at that time was Rich DeVos, the late Rich DeVos. He was a biblical leader who just really loved this. So we launched our first training in 2006 with six students. And so far since that time, we have um, enrolled over 200,000 people who have started um, ministry training and about, 20,000 of them actually have some sort of an award that they have finished. So it's been absolutely amazing.
1: That is incredible how the Lord used some really difficult circumstances, September 11th, 2001, and the terrorist attacks to bring about His glory through your organization being formed and providing that biblical study for so many. It's just incredible. Pastor Rayenga, just seeing the need, the need out there for people to spread the gospel And it's very important for us to be equipped before we go out into the battle, so to speak. Tell us more about what you provide, what those who go to Christian Leaders Institute will be trained on.
2: Okay, good question. Thank you. You can get ministry training classes um, and these classes are all the way up to a divinity level. There's even chaplaincy types of training. Um, there's various ministry training, women's ministry training and so forth. There's that whole side. But we also have an enterprise side where you know people who wanna be in the workplace, um, it, this is especially very relevant for people in the third world who have never learned how to do enterprise and if they could support themselves that would be re, um, just monumental for them because many times the funding for the mission era is, is over it, it's a different world than it was even 15 20 years ago sure. so to equip bivocational leaders, very much like the Apostle Paul. We even have a deacon minister option. We call it deacon minister is because we really wanted to capture that concept of the Jesus said, if you want to be great, you must be the deaconess, the servant of all. And it was interesting that that became the um, word deacon and the Latin word for deacon is the word minister. And so the early church thought of themselves at their very seed as deacon ministers. In, In the past, you have to go to seminary um, today's seminary is very costly, um, often incurring debt and you know ministry is it often does not have high paying positions on one side or the other side volunteer positions are everywhere. so debt cannot be a high piece of this process. So if you feel called, well, in the past you had to figure out how to study, but study was expensive. So here comes Christian Leers Institute and study is free based upon a generosity driven model where people can give donations whether it's students or whether it's foundations or churches or whatever and because the internet is so scalable we can put classes and lectures and quizzes and even though it's not very costly so now what happens is people can actually do that as study so that's how we sort of think of how our world is if someone's called they've been saved by christ they are called to ministry They're called to study, here we are, and we will help them be able to get in the position to serve.
1: So Christian Leaders Institute, or CLI, provides those free online classes to train the called. Can you give us some examples, Pastor Ryanga, about individuals who go towards this path, they're called towards ministry, they want to learn more and be equipped for the battle. What are some of the different roles within the body of Christ that they could be fulfilling? Would it be for deacons, for pastors, children's ministry leaders?
2: Good question. All the things mentioned there. Um this is what we've seen. We've seen everywhere from ministry chaplains to fire departments to police departments. We've seen women's Bible study leaders, small group leaders. We've seen church planters. We've seen house church planters. We've seen youth pastors, men's ministry leaders, organization founders who start new ministries, book writers, blog writers, Facebook bloggers. We've seen, um, because it's free, those with disabilities can come. So we've seen um, people with disabilities who can't leave their house uh, or their Department, let's say but they can minister to the person next door in you know in room a and they're in room b we have what's called an um ordination program that we work with the christian leaders alliance which is a sister organization and we've seen over almost 1500 deacon ministers who once they become deacon ministers and what they have to do to become deacon ministers is they have certain training they have to do at CLI. And then their their local pastor, as well as some other leaders have to sign off that they sense the calling of God in their life and that their character is attested to. And then they take, then they become locally ordained. Like let's say just a deacon is locally ordained. So it's a vocationally locally ordained deacon. Now this deacon then Um, keep studying and goes into further roles. But what we love about it is here's a qualified, a trained candidate to help in the local church that has excellent biblical training. And then we put them on a global directory. Our goal is to make the best possible training available.
1: What's that educational pathway to being ordained? You know, how long would it take for someone who is called to learning more? What process would he go through?
2: Okay, so it's very simple. You go to the ChristianLeadersInstitute.org website, and you just click on "Enroll Me." Okay, and you fill out a simple form, like you would sign up for a Facebook account, for instance. Then you get ushered into a um, scholar orientation class. We call it. It's very simple, and it, it only takes you, you know, two three hours to do that first class because the whole point of that class is just orientate you to the website. Um, to ministry training, introduce you to some of the characters around here so you know who this is, who that is, the course offering. Then you go into a connections class, and that is a class where you can take the quizzes more than once. We have so many people from Africa, for instance, but even inner city United States who. You know their their school. They've not even finished high school. Um, their study their study habits are um, struggling because they they've never really done college level types of questioning. So this first class allows them to onboard into college level training. Um, we don't need transcripts from them. You know they're study students. And after they finish that class, do they have a decision to make? Do they want to just take more classes in a um a free study student status, or do they even want to provide credentials? such you know, for their high school transcripts and, you know, all fees apply in that area um, because we have to actually hire someone that pays attention and babysits that whole process. Our mission was to just raise up as many Christian leaders anywhere and everywhere and give them high quality training that they would get a seminary, but they could maybe never afford. So then they do that. Now, once they do all that, They'll start with the Connection class. Then there will be a Ministry 101 class and a Basic basic Christian class. And that's done by Dr. Ed Rules, the founder or one of the key leaders of the Reformed Bible College in the past, Typer College. He wrote a beautiful textbook on Basic Christianity. So if you take the Connection class, the Ministry 101 class, and the Basic Christian class, then you can take a Deacon, Minister, or or um, ordination class, um, where you get your credentials, you get your recommendations, you learn what a minister is all about, and then you can become ordained locally as a deacon minister. After you're ordained as a deacon minister, now you have a lot more classes to pick from, and you can then fulfill a minister role in a specific area, like small group minister, women's minister. You know, there's various roles, and they get those roles get built up Depend upon the amount of training you take.
1: Well, it's just awesome how the Institute does the training. The Christian Leaders Alliance guides that uh, local process with local church leaders when it comes to ordination. Some denominations will only ordain individuals with a master's degree from like a divinity school. Does Christian Leaders Institute offer a master's of divinity?
2: You know, we've been asked that, and we're in the process right now of working with the ABAT, that's the Association of Biblical Higher Education for U.S. Department of Educated Related Accreditation. Now, we're accredited right now with the um, IABCF, which is out of Georgia, that um, accredits many Bible schools. It's a quality religious um accreditation from this company now from an agency that was started in Georgia in the fifties. And a lot of people want the accreditation So this big debate in the world. And so, you know, and since the quality of our program is of such that we could get the U S department of education related accreditation, we're definitely on that path. And, you know, we meet already many of the 22 standards and there's, you know, we've had to figure out such things as the study student status from the credential student status and all those things were, but the education itself is right up there. Now, I bring that all up, because then what about a Masters of Divinity? what we think about that is first things first, and because it used to be before the 1950s that a place like Calvin Seminary ordained you as a minister of the word with a bachelor of divinity. Oxford in in, in Europe, they're still doing it with a bachelor of divinity. So we actually have, if you get a bachelor of divinity at Christian Lear's Institute at the Christian Lear Alliance, you can become ordained as a minister of the word. Now the kind of, um, the kind of, master's degree thinking and so forth was a after world war ii deal but we want to crawl before we walk you know we started in 2006 right now feel like we should continue with the bachelor's of divinity though we have thought about doing the master's of divinity and and i would say after we're accredited then we'll look at that again you know i would rather you know under promise and overperform than right. to try to stretch into something that basically is in any way, deceiving to people.
1: Pastor Henry Rayenga, president of Christian Leaders Institute, is here today on Community Bridge to share with us about how you, perhaps, may be able to share the gospel. The Christian Leaders Institute seeks called local leaders who sense that calling into ministry, no matter their financial situation. and uh, Yes. Pastor Rayinga, share with our listeners, we may have someone tuning in right now who'd like to learn more. How can they uh, find out more about what Christian Leaders Institute may have for them?
2: Just go to ChristianLeadersInstitut.org. They can click around on the website. They can sign up. They could even just take the scholar class um, right away and see if it's right for them, see if the Holy Spirit places in their heart a connection, and then they can just go from there. We have a, a credential panel by which they can just click around to and see, you know, the various classes that are offered. You know, our goal is to, you know, really fan into flame the gift of God that has been placed in people.
1: Awesome. Christian Leaders Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, does offer free online college-level classes to train Christian leaders.
0: You are listening to Community Bridge. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of Family Radio, its staff, or management. If you are aware of a need, interest, or concern in your area, please call us toll-free at 1-800-543-1495. Family Radio, proclaiming the comfort, hope, and joy found only in Jesus. Support the ministry at FamilyRadio.org so others can hear the Word.
1: I'm Jenny Burkheiser, and you've been listening to Community Bridge. We've been speaking with Pastor Henry Ryenga, President of Christian Leaders Institute. We've been talking about the pathway to become ordained. Just wondering, for those who want to look more into this potential ministry source of education, what courses are available through Christian Leaders Institute?
2: Well, in the, the- they're just traditional ministry training classes with a couple of um, bivocational twists. Let me explain. So we have the Theology 1, <laughs> Theology 2. We have the uh, hermeneutics. These are all classical things that you get at a ministry training school. We have the Old Testament survey, New Testament survey. We, we have even some neat classes in biblical archaeology. Ray Vanderlaan, who does... Um, this type of thing. Um, his ministry has given us all their videos um, in terms of Holy Land visitation. That we have some materials that supplement that. Um, we have even Greek one, two, three. So we have all these things that you could take. But we also have a couple classes that are kind of interesting. We have one called People Smart in Ministry. So many pastors struggle with how to relate to people, and these are the types of classes that are also offered. One of the things that we're going to launch in 2019 is a um, life coach minister track, um, working with coach approach ministries. And we'll actually have minister coaches that help, actually succeed.
1: Let's talk about accreditation. We touched on this earlier in the program, but for those tuning in, it may sound a little too good to be true to be able to to get free college-level online education for Christian leaders that allows them to be in ministry, whether that's vocational or full-time. What about accreditation?
2: you know, this concept of, well, you know, we're just in the mission. Accreditation wasn't even our thought because we knew that we brought in our heart of hearts with our board. We knew we brought high quality education. Well, Along the way, people started talking about, you know, accreditation. So we said, you know, what is it? What does it mean? So we began to, we first with ACEA, which is an organization founded by Dr. Peter Wagner. They came in from other colleges. They vetted our program. It's really great. You know, so they good. Well, then our students went, well, are you... Accredited with a U.S. Department of Education-related accreditation, so we started a relationship last year with the ABHE. There's 22 standards. Um, we passed on all but five of them to become applicant status, and the, the five that we then passed on were such things as um, we didn't have a way that we could establish high school credentials. So. We have a few things that, that we have to work on, and we will work on, work on in 2019. So where is, what does accreditation mean? All I know is this, is that we seek to bring the very best in administrative training that this format of the Internet can do, and um, we're excited about it. We are constantly improving ourselves, and I really believe that someday we'll even be accredited by the U.S. Department of of education, recognized accreditation.
1: Each situation is different. And as it sounds like these courses are transferable to a Bible college or school of divinity like Biola, Moody Bible Institute, or Calvin Theological, Um, it's probably just a per case basis.
2: Yeah, that's how they do it. Actually, it's kind of interesting. When I was at Calvin recently, they said, we don't take every student from Piper or from Moody. We take the ones that can do the work. You mm-hmm. know, in this case, if a student goes through Christian Leaders Institute and their writing skills suffer and they're not, you know, they cannot do master's study, Calvin Seminary does not want them to pay tuition unless they can do the work at Calvin Seminary. And so it becomes a case-by-case basis anyway. And, and how they work it is that. Our classes, until we're accredited by the U.S. Department of Education, our classes themselves don't transfer as easily as the person transfers um, who has an equivalency to do the work. It's all this. I've learned, I'll tell you, Jenny, I've learned all this stuff in the last two, three years about what this means, what that means, what that means. But, you know, sure. to us, our mission is on the study site we we know in our heart and we have been accredited by so many leaders that it's top notch we have a 4.8 rating on facebook now you say how is that possible this because the students see the proofs in the pudding Mm -hmm. and you know we really weren't even thinking we don't We're not trying to compare ourselves to every college under the sun. We are trying to raise up revival leaders, and this study is a generosity-driven ministry where people have an opportunity to study at the high-quality level that that allow them to, to really have the tools to do ministry. So, you know, that always the subject comes up. We never heard that subject when we were in the early days. We only heard it after our classes got to be so good that people were using them, then wanted to transfer them. What about accreditation? So in a lot of ways, we're getting into a subject that we really didn't think about that first. We thought about the mission of getting more bivocational ministers
1: Yes, yes. And it's uh, amazing um, how the Lord has taken Christian Leaders Institute uh, to where it is today and uh, helped believers around the world, as you said, obtain a biblical education. Pastor Rayenga, if you don't mind, do you have any stories you could share of how Christian Leaders Institute helped someone in their call to leadership?
2: One thing that's awesome is that at Christian Leaders Institute, you can go to the website, and we um, have story upon story upon story upon story that someone can just look to. And there are little blogs, and um, it's on the front page. And these tell the stories of students who um, have accomplished various things at Christian Lears Institute. And um, so that, that's just an option for people to look at. And um, this one is from South Africa. My mother became a Christian, so I was forced to attend Sunday school. She said, I enjoyed, but if a soccer match happened to be on Sunday, I'd rather play soccer, he said, but my mom passed away in 1999 and I started on a downward spiral, getting involved with drugs, theft, fights on a regular basis. I've been told many, many times that God had a plan for me, but I could not believe it, but after the birth of my daughter. Then I got married um, to the next year to my girlfriend of 12 years. Marriage changed my life. And then he talks about how both of them came to know the Lord, and now he is called by God to reach people. So his next step was to find ministry training. If, if someone goes to org, or they go to Christian Leaders Alliance, there we have one story after another of coordination and how someone has come to the Lord through some amazing thing or just they were raised in a Christian home and then they felt the calling to serve the Lord. So the stories are <laughs> plentiful. We have 7,000 stories that have been submitted and we've, we only publish one a day.
1: Wow, that is amazing. So if we go to org, we can read some of those stories of how God is working among his people and through Christian Leaders Institute, which offers courses for free. You mentioned earlier in the program uh, that you have a, a special model that is how you're able to provide this for free. Where does your funding come from? Okay,
2: we call us a generosity driven ministry. So on the first line of funding is students start, they love what they see, and then they become vision partners. And some of them give, you know, $5, $10, $25. Maybe students give $100 a month. The second area of funding comes from um, individual Christian leaders around the world who just love the concept that that everyone gets an opportunity who is called to study. And foundations, you know, um, foundations are a large supporter, and foundations like this is because um, of the word opportunity, and we can track the actual opportunities that we give, and they can see the exact results. So if someone goes to our global impact page, they can see how many people have went through programs. Churches loved to support this because, you know, we just got a, uh, support today from a church that had a student in the church, and that person now is impacting in ministry. So the church has wanted to say, hey, we love – this student never got any credential degree. Um, he just went through like 40-some hours of training. He's using his gifts there. He's a, an important part of their ministry team. So the church just sends, you know, the, I think it was like $500 check today with a God bless you, keep up the good work type of thing. You know, But we consider the fees a lot of ways the student generated income, but they're low fees for those who want credentials. In the end of the day, we see the passion of many students that study ministry are in debt. You know, I, um, I talked to somebody last week who visited with a, his wife, who is a chaplain and a woman's person in London, Sabina O'Connor. Actually she's now uh, married to, to, um, so her last name is no longer that. So Rob is her husband and he's actually from the Michigan area. So he, is in debt like $92,000, and his wife got ministry training here, and she um, it just ministers into the prisons, the women's prison in London. And we were wow. talking about that whole thing where if you have a $90,000 debt for ministry training, you have to have a specific position. You can't just volunteer anywhere.
1: Right,
2: right. But in this concept, you can get your training you need, and it's very much like the Apostle Paul. You know, I think about the Apostle Paul. Here's a guy who reproduces for um, us a bivocational ministry. The Apostle Paul had much more of a, you know, we're all called, and some of us are called to be ordained, but a are of ministers. And he, you know, you think of like Timothy and you think of Titus you know, who's also a deacon minister. And you think about like um, Aquila and Priscilla, that whole early movement was about unleashing ministers for the gospel. So CLI loves that idea that history that story and that's really our if you say well that's our narrative let's get back to that and, and that's where things like accreditation don't always sit but some people if they want it will try to work that in there too but in the end of the day it's about more revival leaders and we find that people will support this Yes. Um, and we're really excited about that.
1: Very exciting. And uh, Pastor Rango, we at Family Radio seek to build a bridge between our listeners and other like minded ministries for God's glory. How could our listeners sign up and take these courses that are offered at no cost?
2: ChristianLeadersInstitute.org. Hit enroll and go as far as you need to go. And in the whole process, God will bless you and keep
1: you, and and you'll learn something. And and even if you just took a couple classes, that's enough. Well, they can go to ChristianLeadersInstitute.org and hit enroll, but they can also support your work.
2: Um, Yeah, just go to the, um, we have a little donate button. Um, What you'll be doing if you support this is... We consider that your dream is that more training is spread everywhere, and we're the steward to help you do that. And we'd love to help you do that. If you feel that's important, let us help you do that.
1: Thank you so much, Pastor Ray Inga. God bless you, and we will certainly be praying for your ministry.
2: Thank you very much. And I really enjoyed this, Jenny. I appreciate reaching out to us and may God bless family radio and not only the heritage of your past, but launching forward in the future. God has a plan for you and we are excited to see what that's going to be.
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm Jenny Burkheiser, and today on Community Bridge, we've had the privilege to speak with Pastor Henry Rynga. He's the president of Christian Leaders Institute, and he's told us more about how his organization is equipping believers with free biblical and pastoral studies. You can learn more about Christian Leaders Institute by going to the website ChristianLeadersInstitute.org. Org. That's Christian I'm Jenny Burkheiser. You're listening to Family Radio Hear the Word.
0: This has been Community Bridge, reminding you that whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If you have any questions about the program you've just heard or want to learn more about Family Radio's commitment to serve you, go to familyradio.org and click the public information link at the bottom of the page or call us toll-free at 1-800-543-1495. Thank you for listening to Family Radio. Hear the word. Welcome to Community Bridge, a family radio program designed to help you stay informed about matters affecting your community. As Ephesians 2, verse 10 tells us, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and to good works. Join us as we explore opportunities to do good in our communities. Here now is the host of Community Bridge, Jenny Burkheiser.
1: Hello, family radio friends. I'm Jenny Burkheiser, and so glad you joined us for this weekend's edition of Community Bridge. To talk with us about caring for orphans and foster children in the U.S. is Jed Medifund, president of Christian Alliance for Orphans based in Virginia. Welcome to Community Bridge, Jed. It's really our privilege to have you as a guest this Saturday.
3: Mm, Thank you, Jenny. I'm so glad to be with you.
1: Oh yes, and uh Jed, just a, a- interesting tidbit about you that I learned before this interview is I understand that you are familiar with the workings of government especially because you were involved um, in the White House under President Bush, George W. Bush um, when it came to the Office of Faith-Based and Community Initiatives. So that's really neat how God has placed you in this specific organization the Christian Alliance for Orphans for such a time as this. And so if you could talk with us, Jed, a little bit about about uh, that transition and more about Christian Alliance for Orphans.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, you know, I, I did love working for President Bush. Uh, He was, um, you know, whatever critique that you could make of him, he was a man of integrity. He was the same individual um in behind closed doors that he was in front of the cameras and uh, i can tell you that he he really really did care deeply and personally about the vulnerable and the hurting whether recovering uh, addicts that were trying to to kick a bad habit and make a fresh start with their family returning prisoners uh people uh you know orphans children kids in foster care uh you know when when the doors were shut and he was talking about those things he was passionate about them and when if we had meetings with young people for instance you just see him light up even brighter than when he was with other world leaders or things. So that was a privilege and I love learning from all the other people I was serving with and be part of that. Um, but I consider my, my current work at least as big of a privilege as well, because, you know, I'm not serving the president of the United States, but I'm getting to serve God's church. And that's really the vision of the Christian Alliance for Orphans to help God's people be his answer for kids in foster care, his, here in the U S and for orphans around the world. And we, we believe that's God's call to, to, to the church to live that pure religion that James talks about, um, but that often we need help in that journey to understand how to do that wisely and well, to do it effectively, how to help children heal from hurting. And so uh, to get to be a part of that work is a great, great joy as well.
1: Well, that's awesome, Judge. just to hear how God worked in your life in different positions, and now you are very involved with Christian Alliance for Orphans. Uh, you told us about the purpose of Christian Alliance for Orphans, but how did this organization get started?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, back in 2004, a number of Christian leaders came together, and, and really what they expressed is, you know, caring for orphans is something that has defined the church at its best all throughout history. Um, I mean, you look back to the the time of of the Roman Empire, and Christians at that time, even though they were a small and persecuted minority, earned a reputation as a people who would go outside cities to find children that had been abandoned. Uh, Often infants were were what was called exposed, just left there for the wind and the rain and the wild animals uh, by, by 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 romans if the 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 child was not unwanted and and christians would go outside the cities to find these children to take them home and often raise them as their own this is something that's part of the dna of the church um but but these leaders in 2004 said, "Hey, this is something that we want the church to be really known for again, definitively." And so they really pledged together. The phrase was great: it's "Let's leave our logos and egos at the door and join in a vision that's larger than any of us could achieve alone." So that's that's really the heart of, of CAFOS. All these organizations that really could be competitors with each other in ministry, which you know, all too often you see that in the in the ministry or the nonprofit sector, ministries competing with each other, working in isolation. Here, they're coming together. And joining in certain shared initiatives that, that help inspire the church to care for orphans as well as foster youth here in the U.S., but also equipping individual believers and churches to, to do that work well. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of different initiatives, some of which work with individual churches, some work with networks of churches, some that actually work with government and help government partner with churches to serve kids in foster care and for adoption and those things. But, uh, but ultimately, it's all just an expression of God's call to care for the orphan in distress.
1: Let's talk about the problem here in the United States of uh, children in foster care, in the foster care system. Just what kind of issue is this?
2: Yeah.
3: Well, currently there's about 450,000 children that are in foster care. So what that means is that they have been removed from their families because the government uh, determined that it was unsafe for them to remain there. Maybe there was abuse or uh, serious forms of neglect or or other serious issues. And so it's through no fault of these, these kids. that It's actually, you know, because the people who are there to love and protect them who are who had that responsibility were not able to. And so the government removed them and they're currently wards of the state and they need care and love because government can't do that, right? Government can remove them. Government in some level can protect them from, from, being harmed further but government can't love and care for them and so that's where the church comes in Um, and even though 450,000 is a large number there's there's just about 300,000 churches in the United States and so really even as often we say if each church just was willing to welcome one child from foster care and and whether through adoption fostering um, or supporting biological families that are trying to reunify uh, there really would be more than enough loving homes for every child foster care to to experience the love and welcome they they need.
1: Really, just think of that. If every church in the United States offered that support or offered a home to a child, that would eliminate a lot of the issue. Of course, we know it's complex, but how does Christian Alliance for Orphans or CAFO help orphans and foster youth in practical ways?
3: Yeah. Well, so, you know, we have um, more than 190 organizations that have joined together through k So some of the work we do is uh, each each organization works, you know, independently as well. So many of them are foster agencies that are recruiting foster families, supporting those families, placing children in loving homes and or their adoption agencies. Others are uh, mentoring groups that that uh, match children with mentors. And so there's lots of different expressions of this. But then together, we join in certain shared initiatives. Um, each year, we have an annual gathering where people from all over the U.S. and, and in, increasingly all over the world actually come t- to learn how to do this wisely and well, understanding the latest research on child uh, brain development, healing, the attachment, nutrition, all of those things. Um, we also really try to raise the standards in the field because, you know, a lot of times Christian ministries are, are – are just motivated by by great love. But of course they're just overwhelmed by the need they're doing the best they can and they don't necessarily have the capacity to learn from the very best available research and, and knowledge. So we're helping to, to improve the really the whole field of Christian care for, for orphans around the world, as well as foster youth in the U S. And then, then of course we do advocacy as well. We're uh, you know, continually speaking about these issues, raising them in articles and uh, social media and uh, in mm-hmm. speaking forums to really really call the church to what what we believe is just one important reflection of of God's great heart, which is to to care for orphans and widows in their distress.
1: And speaking of the scripture and how that ties into the church's role in helping orphans and widows, touch on, you know, the, the rich variety of scriptures that are out there that do talk about God's care for the plight of orphaned and vulnerable children, and perhaps how we as believers, as his people, should reflect God's love to them. Mm,
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, uh, of course, when you ask the question, why have Christians all throughout history placed such uh, a special focus on caring for orphans? Why, Why has that been a defining trait of Christians? You know, certainly, part of that is there's a clear mandate in Scripture, so you see it uh, in a place like Isaiah, where it says, you know, defend the cause of the fatherless, or or that word could also be translated orphan, where God is directly calling his people, step up and defend and protect and care for these children. Um, But I think it's really important to notice that even more than a mandate, just a command, hey, you need to do this, um, what, what this ultimately is, is it's a revealing of God's character. So you look back at the very beginning of Scripture. Back back in Deuteronomy and it actually describes God as that he is a father to the fatherless. Or in Psalm 68, 5 and 6, it says, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. He sets the lonely in families. And so what we ultimately come to understand is that this is just God's character. It's who he is. And um, and so when Christians choose to, to care for orphans, whether that's through fostering or adopting or or other ways, we're we're just giving a little reflection of God's love. And, mm. and you know, Jenny, what, what I think is most important of all, ultimately, is that this, you know, this reflection of God's love, it's not just his love for the orphan. It's his love for for every single one of us, because that is ultimately the gospel story, right? That is the story of God, you know, coming outside the city walls to wherever we were destitute and alone and rescuing us, wrapping us in his arms, taking us home with him, calling us his sons and daughters, making us full heirs with Jesus Christ. So that's our story. So when Christians love the orphan, we're just giving a small reflection of the way that we have first been loved.
1: Historically, as you said, the church did actively help orphans and widows. But what about today? Are Christians heeding the call to care for the orphan?
3: Yeah, well, you know, the exciting thing is that the answer to that is, is a definitive yes. Um, and, you know, of course, I would say all throughout history, some Christians have, have been doing this. I mean, even in times where perhaps the church was feeble, there there were faithful believers, um, you know, holding fast to the gospel, and one expression of that was caring for orphans and widows in their, in their area. Um, but I, I really think that we're seeing a dramatic resurgence of that heart today. Um, you know, one of the best parts of my work, through the Christian Alliance for Orphans is traveling around the U S spending time, uh, with Christian leaders, with Christian churches, big churches, mega churches, small churches, you know, house churches, where, where they are saying something very similar where they're saying, you know, we want to live that pure religion that that James describes. We want to be known for this. We want to step up for the kids in the local foster system in the name of Jesus. We want to care for orphans and support work around the world with struggling families. Um, and And so, um it really to me is is a reawakening of an ancient role that the church has always had at its best. but today being reearned um as as I see churches, for instance, in a place like arkansas there's a there's a network of churches called the call, and roughly half of all the foster families in the system came into the the, the foster system caring for kids there through the call. In Oklahoma with what's what's called the um, one one one. And in, in South Florida, four kids of South Florida in Washington, DC and Colorado, you've got something called Project 127. In Arizona it's also called Project 127. And I there's many others I could mention as well, but but you know, each one is a little different, but but ultimately they are people who are motivated by the gospel by the way they have been loved, to go and do likewise, to go out and welcome children into their homes, into their lives and families, and sometimes in permanent ways through adoption, but, but just as often in temporary ways, knowing that this child ultimately w- will return to a biological family and praying for that family's success, but temper loving that child while, while they're in the home with them. And it's, it's just a beautiful reflection of, I think, what, what our father is all about.
1: Well, Jed, there is so much more to this that we haven't talked about yet, but for that listener that is tuning in right now, would like to learn more about Christian Alliance for Orphans and what he or she may be able to do to respond with God's love, how can they learn more?
3: Yeah, well, I would certainly invite them to our website, CAFO.org, CAFO.org, like org, And of course, there's a whole host of resources there, depending on where you're coming from. If you're uh, an individual that's thinking about adopting, for instance, there's many adoption agencies. If you're wanting to get involved with foster care, there's a whole section um, on on that. But also, if you're a person at a church that wants to help your church get involved and be, for instance, uh, have a a support ministry for foster and adoptive families which is tremendously important maybe we can talk about that a little later jenny but uh yes. you know these are all things there's lots of different ways to serve and uh and there are pathways into that that uh, hopefully you know we can we can help with that and then if there's other organizations to connect a person to when they want to you know begin serving in in deep and personal ways we can help them with that as well
1: Wonderful. We're speaking with Jed Medifind, president of Christian Alliance for Orphans, based in Virginia, today on Community Bridge. And if you'd like to learn more about responding to God's call to his people to reflect his special love for these children, you can go to CAFO.org. Uh, that stands for Christian Alliance for Orphans, KFO.org.
0: You are listening to Community Bridge. Please remember that the views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of Family Radio, its staff, or management. If you are aware of a need, interest, or concern in your area, please call us toll-free at 1-800-543-1495. Family Radio, proclaiming the comfort, hope, and joy found only in Jesus. Support the ministry at FamilyRadio.org so others can hear the word.
1: I'm Jenny Burkheiser, and you're tuned into Community Bridge this weekend on Family Radio. We've been speaking with Jed Medifund, president of the Christian Alliance for Orphans that's based in Virginia. We've spoken about what scripture calls the believer to do in response to orphaned and vulnerable children. You mentioned, Jed, that uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans or CAFO does also specifically focus on foster care. I understand you have a national foster care initiative. Tell us more.
3: Well, you know, what we have realized is that as, as much as the, the number of foster care, uh, kids in foster care, you know, feels very daunting, about 450,000, um, there there are more than 300,000 churches in the U.S. And, and really, um, we can get to a point where there are more than enough loving families for every child in foster care. And, uh, and I would include in that, you know, adoptive families because about one quarter of the kids in foster care need adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also would include foster care. That means loving, welcoming home for a child that can that can make a lifelong distance for a child by caring for them temporarily until their biological family can get back on their feet and and the, and then the third category would be restored biological families because you know as Christians we are we we believe in a God who gives second chances and is a God of, of re- reconciliation and restoration and so when when Christians can play a role in encouraging and supporting biological parents in getting back on their feet making good choices so they can receive their their children home that is a huge victory as well and and we we seek that and so um, really when we're talking about more than enough, that vision includes all of those things. And, um, and we are, we are working towards the day. Our goal is that by 2025, there would be more than enough loving families for every child in foster care. And, uh, and it is not one of those kind of, uh, impossible dreams. It is one of those things that if God's people step up in in humble, but simple ways, um, it really, that, that we can be there by 2025.
1: Wow. Just imagine those 450,000 children in need of either adoption or foster care or being able to be restored to their biological families, that that would happen by 2025 uh, would just I think really glorify the Lord. So let's talk about how our listener can be a part of this, because I think many of us want to be used by the Lord and want to witness and, and share Christ with others, but especially with those vulnerable children in need, how can we get involved? Can we join your alliance?
3: Yes, well we would certainly welcome that. Um, you know, actually, a person could become an individual member of CAFO. So so most of our members are organizations. There's about 190 organizations, but there's actually hundreds of churches, uh, more than 700 churches nationwide that have kind of raised their hand and said, we want that to be part of our DNA too. And so that's that's free, but it's just something identifying as part of this community, and then individuals can do that. And of course, we certainly welcome financial support, um, but I would really emphasize, you know, the way that this vision, the rubber meets the road, is those tangible acts of love in the local community as well. Um, So as much as we're really seeking to organize a united vision for the church nationally, you know, it ultimately comes down to those individual choices locally. And so, you know, if this is something that God's stirring in your heart, um, you know, perhaps it might include looking into adoption or foster care. And if that were the case, you know, I'd encourage you to start by talking with someone you know, if there's someone in your church, a neighbor, someone uh, in in your region who has walked that road, to to begin just praying about it and and asking some good questions. Um, But, Jenny, I would also emphasize this, um, you know, that not everyone is called to adopt or foster any more than everyone would be called to to be a pastor or to serve in another country or be a fireman or or those things. Um, Not everyone is called to those unique roles. But... Every one of us can play a part in this, what James calls the true religion, you know, of caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And I'll I'll tell a little story to illustrate that. My wife and I um, got a call one day from our foster agency, and they said, we've got a a newborn baby that needs a home. He was born uh, eight weeks prematurely. Um, and had some had medical complications. And they would asked if we would take this little guy, we, we had not been planning on this. Um, but we said, you know, absolutely, we, we, we were excited about that. But we our youngest child at the time was uh, four years old. And so we had gotten long since rid of, you know, all of our diapers and strollers and Mm -hmm. and all of those things, baby clothes. (laughs) And so we were excited about this little guy coming to live with us. but, But that afternoon, it felt like chaos and we did not have the things we needed. Well, people in our church found out about this. And began showing up at our house with, you know, bags of preemie clothes. Those little teensy tiny onesies, you know, that that, uh, can fit that that baby. So cute. And (laughs) and little tiny, you know, preemie diapers. And car seat for a little tiny baby. And meals. They bought two different meals that night. And over the months to come, people from church continued to bring meals. And I'll tell you, Jenny, it was not just the practical help. Because it was practical. We needed that. But even better was feeling that the church was in it with us, that we had some people walking the road. We were not alone. Even when things got, you know, there were moments that were really difficult and dealing with the foster system were challenging. There were there were other complications, and yet we knew we were not alone and that others were praying for us and others were helping us in practical ways. And so I would really emphasize, you know, anyone, even those who, who don't feel like they could foster or adopt right now, can come alongside a foster or adoptive family or a biological family, for that matter, that's, that's in a struggling place. But to do just tangible things, acts of service, bringing meals, running errands, uh, helping with babysitting is huge, um, and other things like that. Everyone can play a part in this vision.
1: Oh, what great ideas for our listeners. Can you address just the concerns that people of faith, that Christians may have about taking that step, that big step maybe, to foster or adopt? You know, what are some of the challenges that they may be facing so that they are aware of the mm-hmm. need for support?
3: I would really emphasize two things in particular. Um, one would be uh, the, the foster system itself is very difficult to deal with. You know, it's a broken government system. It can be bureaucratic. Um, social workers are almost all very caring people, but for many, they are just bruised by the intensity of their work and the hurt that they see every day. And so they, you know, they can be grumpy, just like all of us, if we were to experience what they experience. And sure. and so just there's all kinds of frictions. Um, I know, you know, for our family, um, we we have five. Other children, um, both through adoption and, and biological, and and so with five kids, to when you are caring for a child in the foster system, there are certain appointments you need to be at at certain times. Sometimes those things can change at the last minute, um, and so your life, kind of what what may have been you know a semi-smoothly functioning machine or at least relatively so, right. uh, suddenly <laughs> gets thrown off the tracks. And sure. so you're you're saying I, I'm accepting a measure of you know inconvenience and things not working the way i planned, because that's part of loving this this precious child. And so that that would be one, is the system, dealing with the system, knowing that that's going to be hard. And then second, knowing that when a child has experienced hurt, experienced that hurt, and you open the doors of your heart wide and you open the doors of your home to welcome this child in, you're going to be welcoming in some of their hurt as well. And, and you'll share in some of that hurt with them. It's um, it's just like Jesus came and shared in our hurt with us. Um, we are sharing in the hurt of these children. And, uh, you know, one piece of that is is saying goodbye to a foster child when they return to their biological family. That's that's really hard. I, yes. I know I can tell you there were a lot of tears in our home uh, when when that little guy that I mentioned earlier returned to his biological mother. It was something we were praying for and cheering for, and my wife was actually um, really seeking to encourage and mentor that young mom, um but it's still uh you know our hearts were aching over that, and so you know when when we choose to walk this road, we are opening ourselves to hurt in the same in a very small and humble way but in a in a in a way that mirrors the way that God opened himself to hurt on our behalf as well and so there's there's a pain in that but i'll I'll tell you there's a there's a certain joy in that i think it's what Paul said when he, when he talked about the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings. In a very small way, we get to share a little taste of, of pain that he went through um, to draw us into his family
1: how does specifically Christian Alliance for Orphans KFO uh, come alongside churches and those who are its members and support them as they are going through this process or seeking to support those who are in the middle of it all
3: yeah well we really believe that the local church is the is God's very best and it's the ideal community to support families that are fostering and adopting you know so our our vision is not just Families wrapping around vulnerable children through adoption or foster care, in other ways, it's it's a family wrapping around a child that's wrapped around by an entire church community. Um, just like we were talking about, you know, the, the errands and the support and the encouragement and babysitting, all those things, and just prayer. And uh, the the church plays a vital role in that. And so, what what we do as the Christians for Orphans is when there's a church that wants to create a adoption and foster care ministry, or what what would might be called also an orphan care ministry, we come alongside to help them um, really execute that vision and, and of course, each church is going to be very different, and some of the churches we work with you know have thousands of members, some ten thousands tens of thousands others you know have you know maybe thirty or fifty members but but each of them, in their own unique way, can create a community that uh, celebrates god 's adoption of us and his welcome into to his family and then then reflects that within the culture of the church it's it's a first it's a a logical thing and rooted in in the gospel, and then from there it's it's a very practical thing, a family supporting other families in tangible ways, and in some cases it can be you know well organized and coordinated. That especially in larger churches that, that's kind of necessary, but but often it takes a fairly organic feel. It's just it's what the New Testament calls koinonia. It's fellowship. It's it's uh, supporting and serving, encouraging one another, and so we just work with each church kind of like a consultant would, but we, we don't charge just to help them to create their uh, foster care and adoption ministry that's going to fit well with their church DNA. Mm,
1: that's wonderful. What would you encourage uh, the person listening right now to, to do? Uh, we may have a grandfather listening right now who thinks, you know, I don't know what I can really do. What would you encourage that person to take as a next step?
3: Well, you know, I think the first thing I would request any any person in that situation to do is get a Post-it note or a little piece of paper and write down, you know, pray for kids and families. And so I would just encourage them to start by prayer. But for many who who for whom that isn't, um, you know, where they're going to be called, I think they're, um, you know, talking to a foster or adoptive family and finding out how they can be supported would certainly be one um, venue for living this out. And, and you know, like I mentioned, they're just uh, it is invaluable as, as someone who's experienced that gift. It is invaluable to feel families and others coming alongside and helping. Um, For others, they may want to start a foster care adoption ministry at their church, and so we'd certainly welcome them to come to our website. um, If they have questions, to reach out. To us through the, the info uh, email address we have on the website and and we want to serve them in that way and and of course if, if you know if you sense that God's lead, leading in other ways as you pray about this over the days and weeks to come um, we'd be we'd be glad to help in other ways, connecting with organizations that are serving globally and doing good work around the world um, or, or other things as well.
1: Well, Jed, thank you so much for your work to serve children who are facing the most difficult of circumstances and for your support of believers to fulfill that call to care for orphans. Remind us again, Jed, how can our audience, our listeners who are believers, how can they respond? How can they learn more yeah,
3: I would just invite them to the Christian Alliance for Orphans website, CAFO.org. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of information there because there's, there's a lot of different expressions of God's heart for the, the orphan and, and for the vulnerable child. So, you know, everything from local foster care to international adoption to supporting vulnerable kids and families all over the world. And uh, we'd be glad to, to, to help you connect with people, organizations that can help you carry out uh, what God is putting on your heart.
1: Wonderful. Uh, well, Jed, thank you so much for sharing with us today on Family Radio. I love the call to pray for the orphan child, to pray for those kids in the foster care system, to really seek after uh, God the Father's heart. The church is a huge force that could be used, and so so glad to hear about what your ministry is doing at Christian Alliance for Orphans.
2: Well, thank
3: you for the privilege of talking about it, Jenny. I'm so glad to, to get to digging this together and just thankful to see more and more of God's people reflecting his heart for this this uh, wonderful, wonderful thing.
1: I'm Jenny Burkheiser and today on Community Bridge, we've had the privilege to speak with Jed Medifund, president of the Christian Alliance for Orphans based in Virginia. To learn more, you can go to CAFO.org. That stands for Christian Alliance for Orphans, CAFO.org.
0: This has been Community Bridge, reminding you that whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. If you have any questions about the program you've just heard or want to learn more about Family Radio's commitment to serve you, go to familyradio.org and click the public information link at the bottom of the page or call us toll free at 1-800-543-1495. Thank you for listening to Family Radio. Hear the word.